Welcome to another Known Pleasures Flexi Disc. Today we are going to discuss the Dexys Midnight Runners song, Come On Eileen. Now, I don't want to make this podcast all about me. Really? <laughs> but, but I want to take you guys back to Brisbane 1982, if I can. A fresh-faced kid from the outer suburbs, I'd just turned 20, and I was on a date with a girl called Jill, if memory serves. And uh, we were at a nightclub in the city, sitting in one of those Seinfeld-y kind of booths. The DJ started playing Come On Eileen, and just as there was a lull in the conversation. And this girl said to me, I love this song. She dragged me out onto the dance floor. Now, two things became immediately apparent when we were on the dance floor. Number one, the song was really hard to dance to. And number two, the song was unlike any other song that the DJ played. Now, this was 1982, so this is ground zero for the new pop movement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There were many great songs out at the time, but there was an, also an 80s sound, as you know, we've discussed before, the drum machines, DX7s, slap bass, etc. But Come On Eileen seemed to take a pickaxe to this and, and tore it all apart. So there was real drums, banjo, violin, and a, you know, a little Celtic swagger, as they say. That's why I wanted to talk about this song because it could have been a big swing and a miss for them. I think it took a lot of balls from to do this and it could have failed miserably. So uh, basically that was my introduction to this song and uh, this style, I guess. Where were you guys when you first heard it? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't be with you in person for this for Oh, this yes, episode. I should have um, mentioned uh, that, sorry. Uh, Patrick is on Zoom today. We're going to have to you know, address the elephant in the two rooms. <laughs> which is that uh, I've got COVID at the moment, so you know, so I need to be isolated. But um, I loved this song right from the start. I, I have to say, I bought the single. I bought the single. And oh, there it is. Still Patrick's it. showing the single um, in case you can't see uh, it. And I am, I am, sh- I'm showing the single, and it was credited to Dexys Midnight Runners and the Emerald Express, and we'll we'll get to that. But I love the song right from the start. I do have um, Irish background, so maybe that was part of it. But it is just an, an absolutely irresistible song. It had nothing to do with the music that was going on around it at the time. I mean, mm. it got to number one eventually in the US, I think quite a long time after it got to number one elsewhere. And I think it replaced Billie Jean at number one in the US and was subsequently replaced at number one by Beat It. So mm. that was the kind of sound that was happening in the US at the time (laughs) and in the UK as well. So it it was like nothing else at all. And, I mean, the only thing I can can think of from years prior to 82 that was anything like it was Day Trip to Bangor. (laughs) (laughs) I I barely remember that. Didn't didn't we have a lovely time the day we went to Bangor (laughs) by Fiddler's Dram? We all remember them, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, you haven't heard the last of those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, what, what about you, Mark? Uh, I was going to say that I, I kind of was aware of Dexys because of Gino. Two years before, and we should say that this is June 82 that Eileen was released and they'd had a number one hit in England with Gino two years prior. So I was aware of what they did and I was aware that they were very much an intense kind of collective Kevin Rowland in particular had said, you know, we want to be part of our own movement. So 
you know, we don't want to be part of anything else. So that makes sense the way that mm. this came out because whatever was going on, he didn't want to be part of that. And he would kind of reinvent the band every so often. He, he'd come from that punk background again with the Killjoys a few years before and decided that that was going nowhere. He wanted to play soul. Now, we should say that the English version of soul is that more up-tempo kind of stomping soul. Mm. Americans think of soul as more Luther Vandross and sort of slower love songs. <laughs> but in the UK, yeah. it's all about, was all about taking drugs, staying up all night and uh, and taking Dexies, De- <laughs> Dexedrine, I think it is, yep. to keep yep. you awake, with, uh, hence the name of the band. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of was aware of him and I, I was kind of waiting to see what he did next, but it was certainly not anything that I expected, um, particularly off the back of Gino. Um, we were talking earlier, and, and I liked how you said he replaced Billy Jean. I'd like to see who would win in a fight between Michael Jackson and Dexys, because <laughs> Dexys was a gang and it was all about dressing a certain way and having a statement that you were making. And the first kind of look that they had was this kind of on the waterfront vibe with kind of donkey jackets and beanies and kind of like, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to rough you up. And then for Eileen, they changed it uh, into this kind of rural uh, faded jeans, a gypsy kind of Irish thing. And in between yeah, that, there'd yeah. been another look, which was kind of boxing boots and hoodies and and um, training gear. And that was all part mm-hmm. of them kind of living this life. Like he used to get them to all kind of train together and go running together before rehearsals. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like mm-hmm. a cult. And I kind of love that about about him. It's kind of, it's really, really punk rock. Like we mean it. We're going to live this entire thing. Well, it's interesting. I was listening to an interview with... Um the violin player. Helen O'Hara. Helen O'Hara. And O'Hara isn't even her last name. No. <laughs> Kevin Rowland changed their names. Yeah, yeah, she's not, she's not Irish at all. <laughs> but the, I guess that was, yeah, so the whole gang thing. Isn't yeah, it? It, and I really, really like that. And, and it takes me back to a time where music was about meaning it. And I think that we've talked about this mm. before mm. on the podcast that today it's just about I want to get rich and famous, that no one has any kind of philosophy or – um, you know, like Dexys would release these statements to the press. Like they wouldn't talk to the media for two years at one stage and they would just release these kind of media statements that they'd pay for and put them in yeah, the New Musical yeah, Express yeah. and Melody Maker. <laughs> it's kind of like the Clash Plus, you know, I really, really like that. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, Paddy, about Kevin Rowland's background. He was half Irish, is that correct? Uh, I think both his parents were Irish from County Mayo in the West. The inventors of mayonnaise? <laughs> Is that where they invented um, that? That's what I heard. I think the name relates to a certain type of tree. Jeez, I've got my research wrong. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You've just blown that one out of the way. I had a whole hamburger anecdote to go with that. You just completely destroyed <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin himself was born in Wolverhampton in the Midlands in England, but his family moved to Ireland when he was one to Mayo, and then he came back when he was four back to Wolverhampton, I think. So he did actually have that genuine Irish background and he had spent part of his childhood. So it was legitimate for him to explore his his Celticness. Yeah. Mm. There is a bit of a faux Irish thing to it, you know, calling the um, the string section the Emerald Express and getting them all to change their names. That ties in with the kind of hardcore thing mm. that you were mentioning, Mark. You know, it's like you've got to believe it, believe in it so much. Sorry, guys, you're going to have to become Irish now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and well, uh, well, until Kevin decides to blow up the whole band and start again from scratch, which he's w- wants want to do every couple of years as well, he seemed like yeah. a kind of a, a kind of a difficult guy to get on with. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, but I was going to say that the thing that bands were most afraid of in the post-punk era was being accused of selling out, you know, mm. like have, having a hit single, and 
you couldn't get any bigger a hit single than Come On Eileen, mm. which was the number one selling single in the UK in 1982, ahead of everything everyone else. and everything, yeah. which is absolutely astounding. But in terms of selling out, it's like if, if it was a selling out song, the opening lines of the first verse are just the opposite mm. of a sellout lyric. It's like, what on earth is Kevin Rowland talking about? Yeah, who is Johnny Ray? Poor old Johnny Ray sounded sad upon the radio, moved a million hearts in mono. And that's a reference to Johnny Ray, the singer from the 1950s, whose best known song, certainly in the US, was a song called Cry, which is just an absolute lament, as the song title suggests. And it's basically Johnny Ray saying, when you've had your heart broken, just let it all out, mm. full stop. That's what the song is about. It's just saying, just cry, okay? Mm. Just cry. And go right on, baby, and cry. So <laughs> that's how you move a million hearts in mono, by telling people to just cry. Just cry. Just <laughs> and then the song suddenly shifts into the modern era where the narrator you know, of the song is in love with this or keen on this girl called Eileen. Mm. And so it's such a weird lyric. I think it's a few things put together though, wasn't it? It wasn't, he said it was a kind of couple of different things in terms of the lyrics. But yeah, yeah you're right. It yeah. was inescapable that year. Everywhere, it just was everywhere. It was just so massive and such a strange song to be so massive, I think is why we're talking about it. And so unprecedented and probably since I don't think I can think of anything that was so out of the box like that. No, no. Mm. And there was a bit of a like a Celtic slash folk slash rock sort of movement on the way in years to come with the Pogues. I'm but my love by the gasworks wall. The water boys. Where will I wonder and wonder? Proclaimers to a certain extent. When you go, will you sit back? Hothouse flowers. So it was coming, but it certainly wasn't there in 1982. No, that's right. Um, Way ahead of his time. Um, I did want to say that the album, oh, sorry, this song, since we're just talking about the song, was produced by Clive Langer and Alan Winstanley. The album they produced before this was Wilder by The Teardrop Explodes, as you guys know, I'm yeah. a, I was keen on that album. And a couple of albums yeah. after this, he did Punch the Clock for Elvis Costello. So they were on a, a real roll here as producers. The producers before that that we've, we've spoken about for the post-punk era, it wasn't about clarity or um, fidelity in sound. Whereas at this point, because this new pop movement was coming up, Music generally tended to be quite crisp and clear, like Trevor Horn, for instance, mm. pioneered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no slap bass. Yeah, yes, that's right, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, and Clive yeah, Langer yeah. and Alan Winstanley were riding that wave as well. And they recorded yeah, it at Genetic yeah. Studios, which was Martin Rushant's oh, I didn't know that. home studio in Berkshire. And I think Martin Rushant was obviously riding high after the Human League's Dare at this point. Yeah. I think Dare, the success of Dare, basically financed his whole home studio. But, yeah, that, that's where Common Island was, was recorded. It is a spectacularly clean and clear and just timeless recording. And Come On Eileen has been played at every office Christmas party I've ever been to. (laughs) 
everyone just absolutely adores it. And I think it just does have that completely timeless thing, as in it could have been written and recorded 200 years ago, you know, were the recording you know, devices available. <laughs> and, I mean, some songs from the 80s are popular on the modern dance floor because they sound so so 80s-ish. Hmm. Uh, but but funnily enough, Come On Eileen is exactly the opposite to that. Graham, I wanted to ask you about this, and you may be leading to this, but it's got so many bits, this hmm. song. And from a songwriting perspective, it's quite confusing. Hmm. Is it a key change in the to the chorus? Because it feels like a different song when it goes to the there's, chorus there's actually... in, another, in, a, in a way that choruses don't feel like to me. Does hmm. that make sense? Well, there are three key changes. The song starts in F. The verse is in C. But uh, they use a bit of a, a trick that songwriters use where for the chorus, you transpose the key up a tone and that kind of lifts the chorus up. It's something that a lot of songwriters do. There's also, as you know, tempo changes. Mm. So that bit yeah. near the end where it all of a sudden goes very slow. I, I read somewhere that it was like Hava Nagila. Where it, yeah. would, uh, it starts really slow oh, yeah, and yeah, it yeah, then yeah. builds up to the... It's been done before, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to have a quick word about the uh, speaking of sections. The very first thing you hear is Helen O'Hara playing an old Irish folk song called Those Endearing Young Charms. Uh, which is a song yes. that's so old, they don't know who wrote the melody, but apparently someone called Thomas Moore wrote yep. the lyric. He rewrote the lyrics from an earlier sort of British lyric because he wanted to kind of reclaim it for the Irish, oh, okay. if you like, because it was a traditional Irish melody. That's, mm. my under that's my vague understanding of the story. Well, when I first heard it, I recognised the melody and I didn't realise yeah. that because I had been brought up listening to it via various Warner Brothers cartoons. <laughs> I don't know if you know about this, but uh, there was a particular trope or running gag featured in their cartoons where a character, let's say Daffy Duck, would rig up an explosive to a particular note on a piano or xylophone. When he strikes this note, instead of a xylophone, he'll be playing a harp. Then their nemesis will call him Bugs Bunny. Now with your kind indulgence, I'll play those endearing young charms. Would play the said instrument and keep getting the last note wrong, which was the explosive note. <laughs> And then in, in a fit of frustration, Daffy momentarily forgetting he had to set up the explosive would yell at Bugs. Oh, no, no, you stupid rabbit! Like this! Play the melody himself and hit the correct note, thus blowing himself up. And the melody they were playing was this endearing Young Charm song. Now, this was a running yeah. gag that started in 1944, and the last time they did it was an episode of Animaniacs in 1994. So wow. this, this running gag went from the end of World War II to the start of the Bosnian War. So it's <laughs> a long time to have a, um, a running gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of innocent animated characters lost their lives <laughs> during this time. <laughs> Almost to that melody. <laughs> Almost, if it wasn't for that final A note. <laughs> yeah, it would, have been, it would have been great if Helen got the last note wrong as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and Kevin, then there was an explosion. Kevin <laughs> Rowland ran in and went, in. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and there was yeah. an explosion. Then... <laughs> but, um, yeah, I do want to talk about the video because well, it's a video that could be me too at this point. Yeah, the actual video is very charming 
on the one hand and a little bit stalkery mm. on the other hand. So I'm not sure that it would be made in quite the same way nowadays, but it does have a fantastic energy to it and a real kind of rough authenticity to it. As you probably know, the female lead in the film clip is played by the sister of Siobhan Faye from Banana Rama. Banana Rama, yeah. Uh, Maura is her name. So there is someone Irish involved in this song, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure whether Maura Faye, although she's got a very Irish name. Yeah, but I think she had that changed for the video. Kevin Rowland insisted. Her name is not actually that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is established early on in the video that Kevin Rowland and Eileen are a couple, like they're together. So I think that takes away any kind of stalkerishness or it generally seems like she's being harassed at at one point by the entire band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think what it seems to me is that Kevin and Eileen are together but they're going through some – problems i think because she, uh, she seems okay. a little down about the whole thing and yeah, at the yeah, very yeah. end when when she's being pursued by the rest of the group up a street yeah. he picks her up and carries her and there's a big smile on her face and it's just, it seems kind of heartwarming so uh, i'd yeah, say they're yeah, yeah. they're a group of friends as opposed to near the beginning of the video where, where it looks like the band don't know her at all and she's just walking past yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i think it's a great video a really good video Eileen is just concerned about whether she should go out with someone wearing dungarees. <laughs> I think that's her main. Her well, main. she is as well, so you know. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, she they're, is, all, yeah. they're all dressed in the style of the time. One thing I did want to mention was that I went on to Google Maps to find the street corner where the video was made. Uh, yeah, if yeah. you go to the corner of Hale Street and Brook Street in Kennington in South London. And when you do that, it actually says on Google Maps, spot where Come On Eileen was filmed. Oh, really? It actually says that. Wow. How many other music video locations would be on Google Maps? Do you know who did the video? Uh, Julian Temple. Julian Temple. Oh, it was Julian Temple. Yes. That's right. Well, he's quite famous now, but probably the biggest thing he'd done prior to that was maybe Absolute Beginners if he'd done that, but the great rock and roll swindle. Mm. Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why was the other girl with the pram trying to talk Eileen out of something? Like, was that, what business is it of hers? She's got <laughs> yeah. a child to look after. Well, that was, that was <laughs> Helen, wasn't it? That, that was Helen O'Hara. Oh, was it? Yeah. Right. Because early in the clip, you see her playing violin with the band. Oh. And then later on, when she's walking with Eileen. With the pram? Yeah, with the pram. She's yeah. no longer in the band. Yeah, right. So I think she got ejected yeah. from the band at that point. Well, I think she thought Eileen should wait for a better offer, maybe from someone in the bureau. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should we mention the controversy about the fellow band member, um, Kevin Archer, who apparently provided a lot of the ideas for the song and uh, was kind of written out of history by Kevin Rowland and mm. then subsequently mm. has now been sort of brought back into the picture? According to Kevin Rowland, he says he should have given Kevin Archer more credit for the sound overall, the Dexy sound on the Tour IO album, but not so much for particular notes on songs. Yeah, not for the actual songwriting, more for the ideas. But Mm. I think he he has uh, reconciled with him on that one uh, subsequently. When you write a song like uh, Come On Eileen, you don't want to share your royalties with anyone. (laughs) No, he'd still be living pretty high on the hog uh, from that. Well, there were a couple of co-writers anyway, I think. So yeah, it possibly, wasn't just yeah. Mm. yeah. One thing I want to mention before we wrap up is that there was a a rhythm, the beginning rhythm, which goes dum 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 dum. 
which he yep. originally yep. got from a song called Concrete and Clay, which was a hit in the 60s, but I think those of us in Australia know that Martin Plaza from Mental as Anything recorded a quite a successful yep. version yep. of it. And also, It's Not Unusual by Tom Jones does that exact same thing. One thing that might be worth mentioning is the Simpsons reference to Come On Eileen in the episode where Homer is in the B-sharps. The Barbershop Quartet. And they win, was it a Grammy? Yes. (laughs) What did they win for? Best Barbershop (laughs) Quartet. Uh, It was Barbershop Quartet, Spoken Word and Soul or something. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they beat Dexie's Midnight Runners. And it is slightly, well, it's a very American joke to be giving um, Dexie's the one-hit wonder treatment when, in fact, they had four or five or six top 10 or top 20 hits in the UK. Hmm. It does show just how deeply ingrained in people's consciousness, the song Come On Eileen is, in a a kind of a global sense and certainly an American sense, that the writers of The Simpsons felt that they could throw in a joke about Dexie's Midnight Runners. You beat Dexie's Midnight Runners. Well, you haven't heard the last of them. I just wanted to mention something about Kevin's vocals who are quite unique for the time. He's kind of got almost an hysterical kind of quality to his singing. And it reminds yeah. me a little bit of Billy McKenzie from The Associates, who was around oh, yeah, at the same yeah, yeah. time. It's kind of almost a little bit Freddie Mercury-ish in some places. And, it, mm. and when I hear it back now, I'm like, wow, it was quite different because it's not dour and it's not serious. And it's, it's somewhere on its own again. And like the song, it's just completely and utterly unique, but very, very considered. They were fantastic Dexies at doing really kind of ecstatic music. They had numerous songs from the first album, the second album, and the the Show Me single between the two albums, which Mm. are just such kind of fun songs. I was going to say in finishing up here that I love the line where he goes, Eileen, I'll hum this tune forever. And I feel like this song is living on forever. (laughs) So he was was so right. This song will outlive him. (laughs) He he was right about that. He was absolutely right about that, yeah. (laughs) And it is a song that sounds like it has been around forever as well as the fact that it will be around forever. Mm. Like it's always existed in a way. Mm. Mm, Absolutely. I think that might be it. Well, we do need to come up with a word. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) I actually haven't thought of that. So you guys go first. I wanted to say something like brainy is what I wanted to say. But actually the word that keeps coming back to me in relation to this song is joyous or celebration, just something like that. Like it is just such such a joyful song. I'm going to go with forever. (laughs) As in you're going to hum this tune Because I think it will I think it'll just go and go and go this song forever Yeah, 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 yeah Great All right, I'll be boring here and just say Celtic I was going to go with Celtic But that was too (laughs) obvious But Graham, I knew it wouldn't be too obvious for you It's not too obvious for me (laughs) Cool Ladies and gentlemen (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen Here's Dexie's Midnight Runners (laughs) To take us out with Come on Eileen Come on Eileen Oh, I swear I'm